absolutely, all of us with our pensions are invested in companies like BP and Shell. So if you super tax them, what you're doing is further punishing people who are either putting money into private pension funds or who have already done so. And don't forget, Gordon Brown did this. Gordon Brown put taxes on dividends, pension dividends, back in the late 1990s. And actually, that one act destroyed what at the time was the greatest private pension provision of any country in the Western world. Uh, and Sunak already, Sunak already with upper limits and caps is making it very difficult for anybody in the private sector to save for a pension that would give them a reasonable income. Far better these days, really, Nick, to be a civil servant. You see, what you do is you keep your full salary, you keep your London waiting, and you work from home and do three-fifths of five-eighths of nothing. Um, so we somehow, we've got to stop taxing the private sector. And yeah, you know, I haven't made this argument publicly yet. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing, and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, you took a trip to the city and you discovered something interesting from the people who actually do allocate vast amounts of capital and decide where best to put it. Yeah, there's a joke going around the House of Commons tea rooms, has been for the last year, and it's, it's conservatives together having cups of tea. Uh, and they say, they say to each other, just imagine what we could do if we had an 80 seat majority. <laughs> That's the most bizarre thing about this government's travails. You know, it's the biggest conservative majority that they've had for decades, and yet they're in trouble. And what, what I talked about with these money managers was political risk in the UK system. Why do I say that? Well, uh, even though this conservative government have raised the tax threshold to the highest since Attlee was in power, even though the government have just not taken advantage of many of the potential benefits of, of Brexit and you know deregulation, et cetera, et cetera, even though they're not acting as a particularly free market conservative party, there is little doubt that if we were to finish up in a year or two's time with a Keir Starmer-led coalition with Liberal Democrats and SNP, that in economic terms, it would be even worse. And there's a feeling that after 12 years in power, enough's enough. You know, Thatcher Major lasted 18 years only because of a miracle election victory in 92. You know, Labour in in 97, out in 2010. And it kind of, I don't know, at Tractor Gate, I mean, who ever heard of that? You know, a chap looking at his laptop for tractors and watching pornography in the House of Commons. I mean, hey, talk about excuses. Wow, better to say nothing, really. Um, uh, you know, uh, and we have another MP, you know, who's crashed a car um, and has run away from the scene of the crime and has now gone trans, hoping. I mean, the whole thing's, it, it reminds me of the last days of Major. It reminds me of, do you remember Back to Basics? You know, with a party of family values and it all collapsed around their ears. So there's a feeling that there is political risk. There is a feeling that the Conservatives are inevitably heading for a really, really bad election uh, come the next general election, which has to be held, of course, to the end of 24, but more likely was expected to be next year. Um, and that's one of the reasons why Sterling is looking as weak as it is. It isn't just the fact that the Fed are putting up rates faster than we are. Um, it is that there is a genuine thought of political risk. Uh, we're in recession. 
um, and we don't appear to have uh, politicians with the will to get us out of it. So, yeah, a feeling that it's coming towards the end of Conservative rule um, unless something quite radical happens. Let's quickly discuss then what the falling pound because of this political risk might mean for investors. How do you see things playing out for the FTSE 100 for commodities um, and whatever else you think is worth mentioning? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing, you know, actually a falling pound, don't forget, is makes the inflationary pressures on a country that imports basically 50% of its food um, and much of its energy, much to my chagrin, as we could be doing it in this country, uh, it adds to inflationary pressures. Uh, it adds to commodity prices. Um, you know, we've seen a fall. Well, we've fallen really from 142 a year ago. We're around about the 125 level at the moment. Um, it does feel, although, sterling's got further to fall in the short term. So none of this is helpful at all. And the markets, the investors are looking for a sign that the Conservative Party has rediscovered its mojo. Uh, but it's difficult to see where that's going to come from right now. There are, are opportunities, though, because, I mean, for example, on the energy policy that Germany and I've forgotten the second country it is, they've decided that North Sea oil is, is back on the menu and first production could be in 2024. Um, and, and there's similar opportunities for, for the UK on energy policy to really shift well, things. There are, Nick, but you've got a Labour Party talking about super taxes on Shell and BP. And now Rishi Sunak hinting they might do the same thing. I mean, if I was BP and Shell, I'd say, oh, forget it. We can't be bothered with you. We can't trust you. Um, and of course, it's a very good sell, isn't it, to Joe Public? We're going to tax these rich companies and give you rebates on your bills. Actually, what we should be doing is saying to Shell and BP, we will super tax you unless you promise to reinvest huge amounts in North Sea production. That, that would be a better way of doing it, a sort of carrot and stick approach. So yes, there are fantastic opportunities in the North Sea, you know, vast, vast gas reserves in, in, in the Boland Shale gas formation, which is right across Lancashire, bits of Cumbria, bits of Yorkshire. Um, and, and these are all things, of course, that would leave us far less vulnerable to a falling pound. In fact, we might see the pound start to turn around if we started doing these things. So Nick, you're right. The opportunities are there for us to turn this around. The opportunities for trade around the world are there, freed from Brexit. I mean, in foreign policy terms, whether you agree with Boris's stance on Ukraine or not, there's no question we're taking a lead because we're freed from those European ties. We just need to start doing this in economic terms. And I, and I actually think the best hope for this is that then we're, we're recording this on the day of the local elections and we don't yet know what the outcome will be. Uh, but all eyes have to be on Barnet council, Wandsworth council, and perhaps even Westminster council. Um, but if you start to see a serious liberal democrat resurgence in the south, uh, and Labour picking up, uh, despite you know, how, how rather lukewarm Starmer is um, in the north, um, then you may well see a Tory leadership election at some point this summer. And then the party will decide. The splits will be back. You know, those who believe in Brexit, buccaneering Britain, those who believe in the corporatism that came with EU membership. Um, but there will be an opportunity if that election comes for a complete reset of where the Conservative Party is, if they've got the guts to take it. Um, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. But I, I frankly think that if Boris continues in government, uh, we continue with muddled economic thinking. We won't be you know, 
getting the benefits that, that Brexit gives us, and inevitably they'll lose the next election. And that's what the city is beginning to think. Yeah, it's always valuable to hear what those fund, manager, uh, fund managers are talking and thinking about. You said something on Tuesday that uh, I thought was brilliant, which is this idea of a, a windfall profit tax is really a tax on pensions because you know, well, we're all owning these. Absolutely. All of us with our pensions are invested in companies like BP and Shell. So if you super tax them, what you're doing is further punishing people who are either putting money into private pension funds or who have already done so. And don't forget, Gordon Brown did this. Gordon Brown put taxes on dividends, pension dividends, back in the late 1990s. And actually, that one act destroyed what at the time was the greatest private pension provision of any country in the Western world. Uh, and Sunak already, Sunak already with upper limits and caps is making it very difficult for anybody in the private sector to save for a pension that would give them a reasonable income. Far better these days, really, Nick, to be a civil servant. You see, what you do is you keep your full salary, you keep your London waiting, and you work from home and do three-fifths of five-eighths of nothing. Um, so we somehow, we've got to stop taxing the private sector. And yeah, you know, I haven't made this argument publicly yet, but I'm going to, that the super taxes on oil and gas companies are taxes on private pensions. Australia went through the same cycle. They called it the mineral resources rent tax, I believe, and, and people were able to wake up to the fact that actually, you know, because of the, the Australian pension system, the shareholders are the same people who are voting for this stupid policy. Uh, speaking of Australia, a good example of, of the UK not making the most of the Brexit opportunities came up in a spectator interview of George Brandis, the former Attorney General and former Australian High Commissioner in London. And he said something really interesting, which on the one hand doesn't surprise me at all, and on the other hand, I think is quite shocking. So the quote goes from George Brandis, the default, oh, they were talking about the Brexit, uh, sorry, the Britain and Australia trade deal. Yeah. The default position in Whitehall was horror at Brexit. It was kind of like a cringe or a crouch, recoiling and willing it not to happen, or being in denial that it was happening. The Whitehall establishment wanted to maintain this whole culture of protectionism, and that set Whitehall completely at variance from the government's priority. This is a good example of what I suspect is going on behind the scenes here, where even if um, Britain does elect a very free market uh, buccaneering, as you call it, government, that doesn't necessarily mean the government is able to get much done. Well, we have an, you know, an enemy within, um, and that may be a strong phrase, but I genuinely believe it. Uh, they fought Brexit all the way. Um, now Jacob Rees-Mogg has now been put in charge of civil service reform. I like the start he's made going into empty offices and leaving a note, sorry, I missed you. Um, perhaps, um, you know, perhaps we don't need these offices anymore. Rather like Elon Musk saying to Twitter staff, come back to work and we'll give the building to the homeless. Um, you know, can Jacob fight the civil service? Can Jacob beat the civil service? It's a very similar problem to the one that Trump faced actually in Washington, that these civil services are so deeply entrenched. But you know something, in the 80s, um, in the 80s, the Thatcher government had very, very similar battles. And Margaret Thatcher famously once said, ministers decide. And that was her way of telling Sir Humphrey that actually this is what they were gonna do. Um, Pretty Patel has faced it too in the home office in trying to deal with the cross-channel migrant problem. So yes, there's an issue, but if you have strong leaders, very strong leaders who insist you can get things done. Now the modern, default position, of course, is, oh, they're bullying me. 
you know, Priti Patel bullied me. Michael Gove bullied me. Well, I think what the government needs to do, hopefully under new leadership by, by, by late this summer, um, is to start doing stuff, telling civil servants straight what to do. And if the Daily Mirror say they're bullies, just ignore them. It seems to me that it is still all to play for, but time is running out. Nigel, thanks for joining us. And to everyone at home, thanks for watching. Thank you.